We are all connected. Join me as I talk to like-minded people about topics that are appropriate to the current times we are living in. My name is Lerato Shabalala and this is Relevant. Welcome, Marco. It's so nice to be talking to you. How are you? I am doing great, Lerato. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. We talked about this years ago. I was telling you before we got started and I was just... I'm doing great and I'm excited to see you, but how are you? I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I just cannot <laughs> believe we, we're not going to go anywhere for, we haven't been anywhere. Like most of the year has like um, gone um, nowhere, but I'm just so excited to be talking to you because also congratulations on moments with Marco, right? I do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that is real. And I mean, <laughs> I'm just enjoying watching what you're doing online. So yeah. TV, um, we're going to talk about Amazon Live and how that happened. Um, and obviously you've been on Wendy Williams and those of us of a particular vintage. <laughs> Wendy Williams. Yes, that's <laughs> our girl. Yes. The hot nine seven people. Before yes. You went on TV. Like I said, some of us, we do. <laughs> So, that's all right. We seasoned. We seasoned. That's all that is. Okay, exactly. That's all there is. So, Marco, I wanted to talk to you in particular um, around, and we're going to talk about everything because yeah, most South Africans got to know you when you started doing the entertainment slot on YFM, and you were in Brooklyn, and you already had you were already creating bridges before yeah. Black is King, and can we talk about Black is King a little bit later? Yes, please, please. <laughs> so you almost had uh, an awareness of like things were going to pop off and you were early. This was a lot, you know what I mean? It's like a long time ago. So yeah. I wanted to ask you like, how did you end up, you didn't train to be um, a broadcast journalist. I saw your IG Live interview with Olwe to Shabane. So how did your uh, journey come about as somebody yeah. who was uh, born in Zimbabwe and actually then ended up living with your family in Brooklyn? Yeah, so I think the journey is exactly like how you said it. You know, I was born in Zimbabwe and then my mom moved uh, to the U.S. when I was about seven, six or seven, and then she brought me over. And so my life has always been kind of the split between obviously my African culture, my heritage, and sort of this new American life that I've now started, you know, that I've lived ever since I was nine when I immigrated here. So I think uh, to go back to your previous sort of um, line of thinking about how um, I almost was aware of this bridge that was happening at an earlier point. I don't even think it was awareness. I can't even give myself that much credit. <laughs> I think it was just this, it was who I was as an individual, right? I love my r and I love my American music, I love my American culture, but there's a part of me that's also like very much Zimbabwean, very much connected with my Southern African roots. And that happened because I came to America at such a young age. Yeah. And of course there were parts where I had to, um, where some of these parts were sort of in conflict with one another, you know, uh, growing up in New York City and Brooklyn, it was really tough reconciling my African background with this new life that I was living. Meaning like, I came to Brooklyn in the 90s. You remember, or you heard about how yeah, Brooklyn yeah, was yeah. in the 90s. African booty scratches and all. Actually, I want to get, exactly. exactly. What does that even mean? All I know is I don't understand. You know? So it was, you know, you have this accent, these kids don't understand you. And when you're that young, all you want to do is fit in. All you want is for kids to accept you. So that, that was the conflict was, I was like, man, I really want to simulate. I really want to fit in. I'm really going to try to fit in. And part of that was losing my accent, right? I made a conscious choice to sound more American. In hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done that, but then it led to my self-discovery and really like kind of loving like, wait, I'm fly. Like, why yeah. am I even trying to change myself? And I mean, you, you know, so it was a whole process. Yeah, I mean, you are gorgeous. You're one of the most gorgeous women I've ever, ever Aww, ever thank seen. you. I feel the same way about you. You know, I was like, listen, anything <laughs> for that. What she mean? What she mean? What she mean? <laughs> and what I love is is how, and, and I think your story is a, is is a lot like my story because I'm from Esoweto. 
And mm. I didn't grow up in an affluent space. And so how I learned English was listening to R&B and hip hop, which is why I sound the way I do, because that's what right. I to. Those were my cultural um, icons. So there's, right. there's that bridge that happens with um, where you live and your influences. And those actually make a, an effort into how you look at yourself. So your mom, though, how was she um, with you guys at home? I mean... So you're going outside and outside yeah. it's like you're African, you're less than, and then you're coming back home. And I'm yeah. knowing you the way I know you and I've seen you and your sister, Erica, and how well yes. you guys get along. I yeah. loved that uh, video, the IG video of TV guy, of you guys um, you teaching her. Um, oh, and Debele. Debele. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. And it was funny because the first word that your husband called uh, read out was Bobotega, which is yes. similar to... Uh, Zulu, which is Momotega, which is to smile. So mm-hmm. you can tell our heritage is we're very, very linked. Uh, um, yeah, same WhatsApp group. Yeah, same. <laughs> so, yeah. what was your mom teaching you, um, particularly because your sister was born in America, but you are not? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. were you bringing some of those inferiority, inferiority complexes that you had mm. with you into mm-hmm. the house? Um, maybe subconsciously I was, but they were so little. I don't even think for them, they had a different experience because after New York, we moved to Indiana and in Indiana, it's funny, Erica just uploaded, my sister just uploaded like a yearbook from the third grade. And we literally flipped through like five pages and there was only one black skin. And of course the black person was Erica. So they had their own sort of, um, things to work through once they sort of moved to suburbia and went through all of that, you know, in the white neighborhoods. But for me, I think my mom wasn't really aware of what was going on because as immigrants, when you come to America, you're in search of a better life. You're thinking Brooklyn has got to be, will be better than whatever is going on back home in terms of jobs, in terms of, you know, really building a future for my children, that that's your narrow focus, which totally is okay, but maybe you're not in tune with like the emotional needs that they need in terms of school and in terms of, you know, how their peers are treating them. You're like, "Ah, that's just a part of life. But what my mom did a fantastic job of was at home, just affirming our culture. There was nothing to be ashamed of in terms of speaking our language, in terms of what food we had. It didn't matter which one of my friends was over. It it, it was always like a beautiful thing uh, to celebrate our music to listen to the next my figures or the album, like what's the latest album they got? You know, my like I just dropped a new song. Yo and go you know. So yeah. it was always like this this beautiful thing that at home it really helped to affirm me. But that whole discovery just happened really on my own. Uh, and I think it happened as I got older to be like, wait a minute, this being different actually works for me. Yeah. Uh, when people say my name, they're like okay, wait, say that again. Is it annoying to have to say it 10,000 times? Yes, it's annoying. Do I let them sometimes say it wrong? Cause I don't feel like, you know, uh, just having them say it right like 10,000 times. So that was like, okay, this is really cool. And just, you know, having always loved the music, having always loved the food and the culture, it really just affirmed that for me as I just got older. So I, uh, I was one of the first recipients of the, um, Mandela Washington Fellowship, which was started by uh, I remember, yes. Mama. And I actually went to the University of Notre Dame in Indiana. And wow, was, yes, yes. You remember? <laughs> yes, I do. Fighting Irish, baby. Yes. It is white, right? Very white. White, 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 white. Yes. And I was watching, uh, okay, maybe not, let me not say uh, which um, show you were on. But it's not Wendy Williams because she she pronounced it properly. It was mm. a, a certain Caucasian gentleman who pronounced you as Michael Zogu. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when you have this um, public um, career, yeah. why, why aren't you uh, Mac N or Maco <laughs> N or why did you deliberately? say no i want people to learn how to say no yeah well i mean you say schwarzenegger right you say all these other names you can say now i understand that 
in the American language, there's nothing that sounds like Ndovo, right? There's literally nothing. So even when I try to explain it and I try to write it phonetically, um, it just, it does not translate. And the, the thing you have to understand about television or just any sort of media is that we don't have time, right? So from the time that I roll on set, I probably have not met this person before. They probably are just meeting me for that segment. Or if they know me, they really need to spend time with me so they can say my name. So by the time we are live on air, they're really just trying to say it the best way that they can. So I want to go back in that moment. And usually when I'm on air, I'm on somebody else's time. Somebody else is paying me for that segment or paying the TV station or paying the TV show. So do I really want to correct them and then get fired and that get asked to call back because I'm sitting here trying to correct the person how, how to say my name? No. 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 But what I do is it's important to me that people say my name because it's really a part of who I am. Yeah. Um, a lot of people told me, oh, maybe you should change it, try to Americanize it, you know, try to make it a little bit more palatable. And I will never do that. I will never, if it costs me an opportunity, oh, well. well. But what I found is conversely, people, again, in our industry, it's all about being different. It's yes. what makes you stand out. Back in the day, it used to be all you had to do was just be blonde and be light skin. I mean, be blonde and be white and be waif thin. And if you could read a prompter, if you could deliver news, deliver content, you had a job. But now they want different people. Exactly. You know, they want people with a different background, a different look, a different way of talking. Yes, they still, still want those skills of being able to read the prompt and being able to interview, but what makes you different is what is going to land you the job. So yeah, and, and everyday conversations, please say my name right. But if I'm on air and I only have five minutes on air, trust and believe. I see the comments, I see what people are saying, but I don't have time to correct that person, otherwise I won't be called back. No, and I also think that the, the important thing for people also to understand is um, not only are they paying for the time, you want that call back. You want to get yeah. back onto that show, which is why I couldn't say what show it is because right, right. the same <laughs> profession I right. understand. So while, while I might be really um, sort of gung-ho about certain things, when you are yeah. there for a segment for five minutes, you better make it work. And right? that's it. And I better make it work and I better sell that product. But what I do is every time someone's like, oh my gosh, I love that name. Yes, I'm from Zimbabwe. I always represent where I'm from because I want people to have a sense of pride. I'm proud of where I'm from. And I love to see Zimbabwe just shown in a different light from what we're used to seeing in the media and in the news um, all the time. So yeah, you find your moments, you know, you find your moments to, to sneak that in, but you can't do it every single time and especially not in TV. Exactly, exactly. And you, you and your sister seem to have a very wonderful relationship. Was it always like that? Because our mutual friend, uh, Yolanda Sanguini, um, yeah. um, she um, said that her and her uh, brother uh -huh. had differences in how they saw themselves. So yeah. Yolanda was very proud of being closer. But mm -hmm. her brother, and actually he lives here now and he's married and he's happy and he's here. He actually moved here later on in his life. But when they mm -hmm. first got to the States, he didn't even want people to know his full name because yeah. in America, Linda is Linda, which is a woman's name. But mm -hmm. in our uh, African language, Linda is a man's name. So right. he ended up calling himself Lee for all kinds of reasons. And now they have a fantastic relationship. But at the beginning, he wasn't really embracing it. So with yeah. your sister, was it always like that? Was Erica always like on board or? Yeah. Um, I think growing up in Indiana, Erica's, um, and I can't speak for her, obviously, but just in our conversation about the things that we talk about, I think her struggle was mostly being black and yeah. being viewed under a black lens in a predominantly white environment, right? And then coming home and friends would be like, wait, your mom has an accent. Because my mom has been here for over 30 something years, but her accent is still very, very thick, like very, very strong, you know? And so it would be like, <laughs> you know, people would be so shocked. Uwutu Mama is still this sort of African woman. They'd be so shocked because Erica sounds like she was, you know, born in Brooklyn, which is where she was born. She doesn't have actually quite the Brooklyn accent. No, she has more doesn't. of an Indiana yeah. accent. Yeah. But I think uh, being 
born here, it took a little bit to sort of understand the culture from home. So for instance, they would say like, I don't know if it's the same in Zulu culture, but would see a bigger person, they would call them Istula. You see? Yeah, born again. <laughs> but you would delay those are things we need to change and so I, I would explain to her to know you know they mean it as a term of endearment but in american culture that's rude yeah. so it's like little things like that but erica also on the flip side of that she more so than my brother actually loves everything about our culture she knows that she dances better than i can she knows all the pouncing cats she knows all the mafiano like she knows Afrobeat. like she's so in tune with what's going on and i, and I think also it's interesting because now the rest of black america the rest of america is very much on the bandwagon so it's almost like perfect timing yeah. but it always wasn't like that so uh, yeah to answer your question i think it was also a journey for her as well i think it's i think it's it has to be a journey and i and then yeah. before I, I delve into your professional life you also chose to marry somebody who's a mom yeah. as well yeah now you could have easily decided to assimilate and be like yo yeah. The, this is easier let me just flow with this but you yeah. decided that you know what i want to marry somebody and and, and as we just before we, we we went on you and carl were talking and you were talking in in, in debele which is nice yeah. to know that understand yeah. what you're saying but um why was that important to you i know obviously you fell in love and yes your husband is great <laughs> you're laughing that you are an instagram he's husband nice. <laughs> he's an instagram husband he stays he is you know you gotta believe he's gonna take a photo tonight today this beat face he is oh my god <laughs> but remember in george two years ago uh when yes he you and george and he was like okay you stand here you stand here mm-hmm. those pictures were Joke. I was like, they were <laughs> some of my favorite. Those were really nice photos. Yeah. So was it a a deliberate decision or did it just happen that way that you chose? Honestly, I wish I could take credit and say that <laughs> I uh, made it a deliberate decision, but it wasn't. I didn't choose it this way. What happened was I always was like, I'm not going to marry a Zimbabwean man. They don't understand me. They don't get me. They don't understand that I have these dual worlds that I function in and I dip out of both of them. And there's some things I like in this world that I choose not to take. And there's some things that I like from this world. So I'm like a really a mixture of all of that. Right. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to marry a Zimbabwean guy dated a couple of, you know, African-American guys, and it just didn't work out. And then after I graduated college, I met Carl. And he was like the first guy that I had, like, you know, in the cartoon characters, you see the yes, little star. Yes, the love eyes. Like, this? Who is this? And, and, you know, it was then we had a friendship and I got to know his personality. And he's been the same person that day that I met, the same kind heart, the same, like, awesome person that he is you know i don't even know how many years we've been together it's been that long you know that he's still the same person what more than 10 years later right and so that's really what made me fall in love with him but yeah it's really important to have someone who understands your background i think for me i can only speak for myself it's important to have someone that i can speak the same language with that we can eat the same food with yep. who knows my friends Ularato, when he sees you when i told him i was doing this interview with you he lit up you know exactly you know we've met we've hung out exactly. his friends are my friends my friends are his friends like we have that really deep extra deep connection because of our connection to home and we were just talking earlier and i was saying well, dang this year we won't be able to come to south africa like miss rona to mess things up it's <laughs> so wonderful to be able to travel with your spouse to an area that you both love that you both feel like you can just breathe and exhale when you get there and you look forward to it and just those little things like maybe if he was american he'd be like well do we have to go over here exactly and, you know what i mean like why why are we always eating pop in this house you know it would be it would just be a little different that's all yeah but i think it's nice also to He's like, God damn. You know? You see? You see? You know, without you having to explain what you were trying to say. Because you, yes. you know when you're angry, sometimes it's long. Yes, it's long. The words, they just don't. Mm-mm. 
they just you, you need that you know what I mean that vernacular yes. that you're used to from your hometown so I um I then want to go into and there are a whole lot of topics I want to talk about I want to I want to yeah uh, some cultural stuff because that's what please you, right? my favorite so, yeah exactly <laughs> but now I want to ask how do you you're not a trained uh journalist you're not a um, a, a broadcaster, you know, you didn't yeah. have a teleprompter and all those kinds of things. Yeah. You're also Africans. So you, you don't come from America. How do you end up on television? How do you end up on the Wendy Williams show? Because it will, it would make it seem like your odds are stacked against you, but yeah. for some reason it happened. Yeah. And they are right. And, and, um, and I think that's what makes it amazing is that you thrive despite those odds being stacked against you. Um, I think, it actually works in my favor not to be a trained journalist or not to sort of have a ton of wealth of experience because that eagerness to learn is what allows me to just keep growing and elevating, you know, is I watch a lot of people and I watch how they do things, whether I'm watching on TV or I'm reading like transcripts of interviews or I'm practicing on my own, how to read the prompter, all of those skills I learned on my own. Now it was a lot of trial and error because a lot of it you learn on the job. So mm -hmm. in that moment when you're messing up, when it's live, it's live. Once it's out there, you can't take it back. Yep. But if it's pre-recorded, then someone can say, you know what, McCall, actually, why don't you say it this way? Or listen to the way your coworker is saying it. Maybe try to say it a little bit that way and take a spin from it. Those moments have been a godsend. Because even for Essence Now, I don't know if like, you know, they, I think they kind of took a chance on me. There was something that they liked in me. They saw that I had the raw talent, but they would help me in delivering sort of the copy that was there. They'd be like, okay, look, do it this way and do it that way. But all producers do that. But I think they prefer to have someone who's malleable, someone that you can sort of mold into what it is that you're looking for versus someone who has went to four years of school and they've learned how to do it this way. And now you're trying to shift them and tell them that this is not the way the industry is growing and they're a little bit harder to kind of get to the level that you need them to. So I think it just depends, you know, again, it just happened to be, the right time and the right place and the right opportunity in terms of all the jobs that I've gotten is that I think that that eagerness to learn has really helped me. And what is it like being on the Wendy Williams show? So yeah. uh, my friend Rachel watches it and my, I work very closely with Rachel. My mom yeah. loves Wendy. I, love, I mean, how are you doing, Wendy? Yes. I mean, I love Wendy so much. Wendy was on a Jodeci I think she was on their debut album, mm -hmm. um, like doing a little set of skits. So what is that like being in there? Yeah. A lot of us are living vicariously through you. Oh, it is one of the best experiences of my life. Like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, am I really on the Wendy Williams show? <laughs> it still feels brand new. It still feels like a dream. And first of all, let me say this, the staff at the Wendy show are some of the nicest people ever, right? They, from the sales team, because there's a whole team. When you walk in and you see this building that Wendy rents out, like she is a boss. I think a lot of people don't understand that outside of just being a media personality, when that check comes, it says Wendy Williams. She employs a bunch of people in two different buildings across the street from one another. Wow. So I'm just in awe of that. But being with her on air is just got to be the first time I was so shook. I remember the first time one of the producers actually approached me about it. I was like, no, nah, I don't think I want to do it. And she was like, what? Like, you do this every day at Amazon. Just like, you could, you could do this at Wendy. This is not different. It's like, mm, what if she doesn't like me? Because you know she keeps it real. Uh-huh. <laughs> what if she, like, just throws me shade? She was like, no, she's going to love you. I did it. And she loved me. And she was so warm. She gave me a big hug. She was like, you did a great job. From that day on, I've been floating. I mean, 2020 tried to sink me a little bit, but I've been floating from that day on. Because it means <laughs> a lot to get a compliment like that from her. She is a professional. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's so in charge of her career. She keeps it so real that like, that's the reason why we all can't wait for her to get, get back on air. And in fact, we're starting season 12 really soon. And it is just going to be interesting to see how we do it because there's all these you know protocols in place yep. so um i think safety is definitely the major thing that everyone is looking for so i just pray that like it continues being safe and we can continue to do our jobs and just really you know bring the entertainment that everybody so desperately needs right now 
And I and I think that at some point, and I don't know whether you're gonna do this, but at some point to be able to give Wendy Williams's um, audience a glimpse of us here, because you know so much about African people, that would be, yeah, amazing, you know, so yeah, maybe one day. Maybe. Well, listen, I don't even know if there's going to be an audience anymore because of this whole COVID thing, right? Yeah. Um, I, I have no insight into that. So it's also going to be interesting for me to, because I love the energy that I get from the audience, right? Before I go out, you know, there's the music, there's the DJ, the audience is lit, everybody's dancing, not point out a few people. And, you know, we give each other virtual sort of like, well, done. They're like they're a little bit further than me, so you know we yeah. just kind of wave and say, "Hey, you look cute. I like your outfit." And then Wendy comes over, and then we're on. So it's always nice to get that energy from the audience. And now without the audience, it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to listen. I would love to go on vacation with Wendy. That's that's what I'm working on. Let me try to make her my friend, I so mean- we could come to SA together. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a great weekend. I can I can only I imagine. I so we're gonna. I want us to delve into some cultural moments because while okay. um, 2020 has been not the best year for any of us, there, there have been some huge um, moments. So I, 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 I want to get into, I want to get into that. And I think okay. Wendy's a nice um, segue into, by the way, what red carpet, maybe three red carpets have, because you've done um, um, people's TV. Uh, yeah. Right, so you've done that, but what red carpet and you did the essence red carpet? Would you want to be at what red carpet? The three where you're just like, if I'm standing there with the microphone and I'm like, hi, I'm Makondo from right. What are those three for you? Those three. Let me say first that red carpets are my least favorite thing to do. Um, Unless I'm with a big outlet and we have a marquee stage, red carpets are a lot of work. You have to yell and shout and try to get the attention of the audience. And it was so funny to me when people were like, oh, remember there was a whole fiasco with Anele and they were like, oh my God, I can't believe she did all of that to try to get people. Right. Y'all don't have a true understanding of what red carpets are like. You have to do all of that and especially if you're with an outlet from home as much as we want them to push us to the front most likely you're all the way at the end by the time the celebrities get to you they are tired they gonna give you a wave so to get anyone to come back to speak to you is like whoa it's a big deal red carpets are not easy that said (laughs) but you need (laughs) to say that because people are waiting for ryan seacrest uh, right, the, the late Stone Rivers, uh, Juliana, the extras, the exactly. e. The e. If you're not from the entertainment, nobody. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was like, people don't even understand the red carpet. They really don't, and and I guess that's part of the shield that you know has sort of been put over the entertainment industry. First of all, there's so many jobs behind the scenes a lot of people don't understand, but the dynamics of the red carpet is chances are that celebrity has already worked out with um, the entertainment channel that they're going to stop by and speak. All of that is not spontaneous. Sometimes it is, uh, but most of the time, all of those things are prearranged. So they sort of have a check sheet. And that's why when you see the host being able to speak into the camera, they probably have questions that are already pre-lined up. That way it's not that super spontaneous. So there's a whole thing that happens behind the scenes that, you know, I just wish people had a better understanding of that being said okay the first red carpet that i would love to go to is the coming to america red carpet Ooh, right yes. i want to see Yay. i hope they don't do a virtual red carpet i would love to see all the celebrities show up of course safely but that would be one red carpet that i would love to be at um of course if i could go back in time i would say black panther Mm. I would have loved to be there and just seeing all of that. And then, I don't know, the Emmys. I'm actually going to be covering the Emmys for people. And I'm excited to see, we'll be doing it all um, remotely, unfortunately. But I'm also excited to see how they're going to pull it off. There's so many Black people that were nominated. In the words of Issa Rae, I'm rooting for everybody Black. So I can't (laughs) wait to see them have their moments and just see how, like Yvonne said that she was going to dress up even if she was at home, like she's going to put on a full gown and everything. So I think the Emmys would be one because I really love daytime TV. I love my talk shows. I love my miniseries, my shows. So yeah, those three. Uh, Yvonne is so 
amazing. I watched this thing on YouTube. I think she was on Vogue and she was just mm-hmm. teaching us uh, uh, Nigerian um, sayings. And she's just yes. so proud. She's just, she's, she's just so amazing. Maybe one day I'll get to speak to her. She seems fun. Please. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> when you spoke about Black Panther, yeah. I, mean, I can't even tell you the devastation I felt the morning I heard about Chad. and what do you think is the reason why we were hit so hard globally like like crying like yeah it was just one of the hardest things it's not like i knew him never interviewed Mm. Mm -hmm. so many of us felt the same thing and it was because i feel for me we were validated we were dignified and we were finally shown in the way that we see ourselves as Africans. Why do you yeah. think that it was so hard for us to, yeah. to let him go? I think there's so many layers to peel back with that. I mean, I think I agree with everything that you said. The fact that, you know, he was able to show his cosa and we heard mm-hmm. them speaking that in the film. And that was beautiful to see. And the fact that he even tried to speak his cosa, it was just really amazing to, because my husband speaks his cosa, to hear that language that we all hear at home or we all speak at home, to see it in that light, to see it on the big screen, to see it across the globe and see the impact that it had. It was just wonderful to see. Um, But I also think it was his age, you know, at 43, he was so young, he was so full of potential, and there were so many things left for him to do that it feels like we were robbed, you know, it feels like his life was just sort of taken from us too soon. And the fact that we as a public did not know that he was battling this, you know, there were rumors of him and his weight loss and what was going on with him and people had some really vile and disgusting things to say. but none of us had any insight into what was going on and how really devastating the situation was. So I think it was the combination of that, not knowing, um, understanding his potential and his future, looking at how he really purposely took these roles that were empowering Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, T'Challa. He went after these roles. He was so deliberate. And then now we get to find out who he was as a person. And I think that's the part that really messes oh. with you. For instance, you found out that he went to, you know, and uh, he went to this hospital with kids that were dealing with cancer. Now, he had been diagnosed at this point. But when he went to that hospital, he's, he knows exactly what these kids are feeling. The cameras are on him. He's reconciling his emotions with what they're going through. And he is facing the same thing. And it it takes such a huge person to be able to go through that, understand the prognosis, don't try to fight it, but try to lift somebody else up in that moment. Like, man, it's just, he was special, you know? And you understood his reaction at the press conference then. Yeah. Because you are watching it with a different lens now. Like, oh man, this is what he was going through. And one of the moments for me that just sent me was... yeah when he starts crying about those children, as yeah. if in the movie, Lupita and your um, Zimbabwe, Denai. Denai, yeah. they grab him and they just mm-hmm. hold him. They put their hands um, yeah. on, on him. And I think it just shows like how close they were. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's a huge loss. And so do you think they should do a sequel? Some people are saying, don't do a sequel. <sighs> this thing is done. You shouldn't. What's your, what's your, um, I think it's tough. You know, it's hard to say what they should do when someone does a role like that. And they just are so phenomenal in that role. It, it just seems like recasting it. First of all, I'm, I even hesitate to have the conversation about recasting because it's only been one week since he passed away and it just seems a little insensitive to be talking about the recasting. But I understand that there was a business behind it. And as a matter of fact, he was supposed to start prepping for that uh, Black Panther 2, I think either sometime this year. So I don't know. I honestly don't know how Disney is going to proceed because when you have a role that's that beloved, recasting it could really turn a lot of people off. Now, the, 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 the sort of solution that I have seen, I've heard online is people saying uh, Shuri, I think it's Shuri, right? That his sister Shuri should be the next sort of uh, yeah. hero. She should be the superhero. And then we should kind of lift her up in that light. So I like that. I think we mm-hmm. haven't seen a lot of female superheroes. So if they're to do it, do something different like that. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think yeah, that they should recast? That's what I think. I think that yeah. his sister 
because also the narrative around the world is also understanding the magic of women and um, breaking down those patriarchal societal chains, I think it would say something really drastic to have yeah. um, an African um, woman be a superhero taking over from her brother. You know, so I think yes. that's... That 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 I'm more with, but like you, I was just like, I don't even want to. Yeah. You know, I was just, I don't want to think about it. Um, right. But but also, so I have like two culture things before we wrap up that I want to talk about. So yeah, we also heard that um, a biopic of Wendy Williams is going to be uh, created by the Tyler Perry Studios, and Tyler just became a billionaire. Oh. Well, he do it. Okay, <laughs> TP. All right. You know, a lot of people have things to say about Mr. Tyler Perry. There was criticisms of his work. Oh, it's too ghetto. It's too that. But let me tell you what. Tyler Perry is one smart man. As a content creator, as Lerato, those are people that we look up to. Those are pillars of our industry in terms of owning your content, realizing you have an audience that loves it, and feeding them and just starving your distractions. I love Tyler Perry, but also Tyler Perry has a big heart. There was a, um, a tweet that I tweeted just a few weeks ago. Maybe it was a few months ago. And I was saying, I had just been reading what oh, Tyler Perry just fed 10,000 families in Atlanta. Tyler Perry paid for the funeral of such and such. Tyler Perry did this. There's so much that he does and so much of his money that he gives away that I really think that God just blesses him on top of what he gives away. Mm -hmm. So he's also another person who has a good heart, you know, and I just admire that because he seems so level-headed. And I will never forget one day I was covering an award for um, something for Essence and I was invited to go to Tyler Perry's house and I pulled up to the house and I was so excited. I could hear the music going. And the person who was supposed to come get me at the gate didn't come get me at the gate because they were inside having too much fun. So I had to reverse my car and pull out. Yes, my heart was broken. Yes, he let it. And so listen, so I saw him the next day at the Essence Black Women in Hollywood event. And he he walked past me, of course, and I saw him. I was like, oh my God, I had to go back. I was like, oh my God, Mr. Perry, can I have a photo with you? I'm such a big fan. He was like, oh my God, you are so beautiful. I was like, what? Thank you. I was like, oh, I missed a party at your house last night. It's so funny. I couldn't get in. He was like, I wish you would have let me know. We could have, how was I going to let you know? How was I going to let you know? So but he was very nice. Yeah, exactly. You want to put your number here so I can make sure next time I let you know? Because I'm sure this ain't going to be the last party you have at your house. But he was very nice. He was very yeah, nice. And, he's, and what he's done to uplift our people, the fact that there's the Oprah Winfrey studio, the yes. OTA studio, the Will Smith studio, that, yeah. that, that speaks volumes about him. Okay, And, then, and by the way, yeah. that whole lot, is built on, I think it was a plantation or it used to be where slaves were. Yeah. And so to look at the story and look at the full journey, the ancestors are rejoicing, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of our generation is we're breaking a lot of generational trauma, a lot of generational curses, and he's doing it on that land. And there's just something so poetic and beautiful about it. I just like, I'm in awe of Tyler Perry. Oh, me too. And also I think the other thing for me is a lot of people right now around the world and in South Africa, particularly black people, yeah. not just black people in America, but black people everywhere. We are the worst hit by COVID-19, right? So mm -hmm. the financial crisis has hit us the most in the world. Yeah. And yeah. that is because of everything that has happened to us before. So to mm -hmm. hear that Tyler Perry once was uh, living in his car, and mm -hmm. now a billionaire is a testament of not only how the ancestors can guide you, but when you start to understand your difference, your magic, and if that magic is get honest, <laughs> right? Listen, because maybe that's where your billion dollars is going to come from. So yes, young people, there's hope that you know what yeah. I can also, you know, I can also do something. Um, yeah. so things, I'm saving Blackest King for last minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we also had a really important moment happened with uh, Brandy and Monica doing this. Oh. Oh my God. <gasps> I haven't stopped listening to Full Moon. Me I'm not even, when I was getting ready for this interview, I was jamming to Full Moon. Oh my like, gosh. oh, but no. yes, yes, Brandy and Monica, yes. Never say never. When she played, put that on everything, I was like, oh, oh, oh. 
But there were moments for me that were also really important, which is growth, that you can yeah. have differences with people and then come together. And first mm-hmm. of all, Monica looked like a doll in that. Yes, she did. Awesome. What waste. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think they handled it like grown women. It kind of reminded me when Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey did a song together. What was mm-hmm. your, what, what was going through your mind when you were watching that? Because they have some hits. Yeah. I was in heaven. When I came here in the 90s, Brandy and Monica were friends in my head, right? Yeah. Like, I loved their music. I loved Miss Thing, Don't Take It Personal. I loved Best Friend. I loved all of their work and I followed them religiously. So for me to see them as grown women was almost a reflection of myself. Like, yo, yeah, so Hanjiwe, yeah. like we are grown, okay? Yeah. <laughs> right? But it was beautiful. And I, I know that there was a lot of uh, jokes and a lot of shade and some of it was funny. <laughs> about sort of the tension that was there between the two of them. But I think what we saw was two different personalities, right? We saw, well, Brandy, someone put it in a perfect tweet that said something like, see, here's the problem. Well, Brandy plays too much and Monica don't play at all. And yeah. so those things don't mix, right? Yeah, so you have two true. different personalities. But I love that they were able to come together. These girls are legends. These women are legends. They are iconic they mean so much to us and the numbers clearly reflected that. So it was just nice to go down memory lane and to think, okay, where was I when the song came out? What was going on in my life? What was I going through? And then to now relive it and just go on streaming sites and listen to it. It was, it was wonderful. I, I, I secretly hope they could do it again. They got enough hits, right? Me too. I, I actually, one of my, my wishes is that like, uh, we can do a versus in South Africa. Okay. Don't stop. Who would you want to see? Oh my God, I have a list of people. Okay. Oh, you have a list. I love it. Okay. I have an entire list. Um, oh my, I'm so glad I had this list because if I did <laughs> this would be such a mess. Is I would want to put um, uh, TKZ versus Brothers okay. of Peace. Okay. Uh, TKZ versus who? Brothers of Peace, BOP. Okay. Um, uh, Tebe versus Mdu. Okay. Donkey versus Lyra. Um, Stovey <gasps> versus Amu. Okay. Um, oh my God, Black Coffee and uh, and uh, DJ Fresh. Okay. Dana. I mean the list. Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. That would be a good one. Yes, yeah, so that just, would be a good one. I'm like who you know produces and produces. Well, I have one. Malaika versus Mafigizolo. I think that would be, That'd be right. Good. That'd be good. That'd be a good one. You must talk to some people about that because this is now. You, I'm saying. I'm sitting here like we could do something. <laughs> but listen, you know, Swiss is so into the culture. I love when he plays bomb on his Instagram. Yes. Um, He's very in tune with what's going on in South Africa. So I can definitely see a situation where Versus starts to branch off. Um, I think they dabbled a little bit with doing sort of the Jamaica one. I can see them doing a South Africa one, a West Africa one, because there's a lot of money to be made there. And all of us can get the data that we need to be on there to watch it. And it'll do numbers, you know? Exactly. It will. I mean, that's data... Um, until three in the morning to watch Jill Scott and Erica Badu. And Jumbo. I mean, so let's let's talk. We could, you know, we could do something. Make something happen. Okay. Else, the last thing I want to ask you is Black is King. Black is yeah. King. Yeah. And what, I mean, I can't stop listening to it. I absolutely going to stop listening to it. And I, and I wanted to know just your opinion um, on it. And, and um, I, I, yeah, I've just talked about it so much. I just think yeah. it's time to uplift Black people and, yes. and build bridges between Black people because, yeah. as you know, Americans, because of what Black Americans, because of what happened to them with slavery, felt yeah. that Africa was something to be sort of embarrassed about. And she just mm-hmm. lifted us, but also showed the truth of Hillbro. You know what I yeah. mean? Of the parts yeah. that are not so cute. So, what did you think? Oh my gosh, I loved Black is King. And again, I think a lot of these things, what's old is new again. It's speaking to that child that was in Brooklyn, speaking to me coming from home, trying to make sense of this new world that I was in, holding on to my culture, trying to let it go. All of that is I was able to see one of the biggest artists in the world, right? Not only partner, but collaborate with these artists that I listen to, 
that are near and dear to me and hold them up and uplift them at the height of her career. Beyonce is still arguably the top artist in the world. And I think back to the 80s and 90s, I'm like, okay, Michael Jackson might have sampled some songs here and there, but really outside of maybe the black and white video where you showcase some culture, I'm talking about an entire visual album where you go back and say, Zwana, Wusisa, Moonchild, Nandi, Trevor, all these people, we're going to work together and we're going to collaborate. I think that is so powerful. I'm not only going to tell this story in a different way, but I'm going to collaborate with these artists. I'm going to get everyone from background to the directors to, you know, the background. I'm going to get all these people to work with me on this project. I'm going to tell an African story, but I'm also going to tell the story of like black culture and diaspora and really tie them in and Christianity and spirituality and, you know, following our ancestors, all of that. There was a lot to unpack. And I'm like, wow. Oh, wow. I mean, we don't deserve it. Beyonce is the girl that she thinks she is, right? Really? (laughs) She really is, is, but that's the truth. She really is. She really It was so powerful. And I think about like little girls that are watching it, um, little girls across the globe, and not just little girls, but particularly brown girls, black girls that are watching this and how affirming it must be to have um, one of the top artists in the world affirm your beauty, affirm your your, uh, worth, your... Uh, your 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 viewpoint. Just saying your birthright is is enough alone to say that you have mm-hmm. sort of a stake in this world. You have a say in this world. You're in charge of your destiny. Like all of that is just really important for young people to be able to hear that because it empowers them and it affirms them. And for young girls to hear that from her is just like brown skin girl makes me cry every single time. It's just so beautiful, oh. you know. And so yeah, I just. It was, it was beautiful. I, I loved it. I loved it. What did you think also of the criticisms? Because we have to talk about that as well, where people felt like maybe Beyonce was appropriating African culture. I mean, I saw, uh, and I, saw, I started reading an article then stopped about how Beyonce needs to be careful also of uh, making it seem that African monarchs were uh, innocent and not everybody gets to be a king. Yes, I saw that. I know which one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I saw that same one. Mm. <laughs> what I will say is this. Very rarely, Marco, are we the stars in our own lives. Um, as Black people, we really have not been, we've been incarcerated both in terms of law, in terms of economics, in terms of almost in every sphere, right? Um, yeah. And what happens is that you then begin, I mean, even dolls, even the idea of black dolls is something that we only started talking about now. And the reason why it's important to see yourself is because if you don't see yourself, you don't think you're good enough. And so the people you see become your kings. Those people become your kings. Those kings Mm -hmm. could be celebrities, could be a real uh, monarchy, but... At the right. end of the day, when you start to see yourself as ethereal, otherworldly, talented, worthy, beautiful, then yeah. you start to see yourself as a star in your own life. Then right. you're, you're not making excuses for yourself. And that is what Beyonce was saying. And I started arguing with somebody else and I was like, I'm out of this. Yeah. You don't have to be so literal, right? Mm-hmm. Literal with art. Art, she took a movie and turn it into a visual. Oh, Popeye, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> and about royalty, okay? You know what yeah. I mean? Bigger is, is, is Mufasa telling Simba that life is, he's, he's bigger than, he's part of the stars, the moon, which is yeah. what African people have always believed in, right? By the time she says, King Already, Already is another yeah. one of my favorite songs on the album. Yeah. And Already is about, Simba coming back to claim being a king. So she, mm-hmm. you, she, she did the songs and then she added African people. Then she added design. Then she added right. So, right. you know, I love, I'm a lover of art, whether it's Nelson Magamo or whether it's Mako Saula Duma, which is what mm-hmm. you hear. Um, I just loved it and I loved her and I think she's great and I think we must protect Beyonce at all costs. Yes. <laughs> Yes, there are a lot of enemies of progress out there, okay? Yeah. And I agree with everything that you just said. And by the way, it was 
a movie about royalty, right? And so it, you're totally allowed to have that artistic license and that freedom. And like you said, we can't take everything so literally, but also what's wrong with us wanting to see ourselves as king and queens? Why does it bother you that Why much you? Why that we we're portrayed that? in that light? Like, there's so many things that OET, these really outlandish movies that are out there, we're not attacking that art and saying, oh my God, that's not realistic. Like let black people enjoy this thing and don't police me and say, oh, I shouldn't be enjoying it because this is viewed through this, you know, sort of colonized lens and all of this. It was just, you know, and I guess that's the beauty of it is that everyone is entitled to that opinion. No one is above reproach. We can have conversations about this. But also, I think there's something to be said about just respecting the artistry and respecting the process and saying, listen, if it means that much to you, if it means that much to the children, if it's not harming anyone, you know, let, let's just let it be. We'll agree to disagree, you know. So I think the people that were supposed to get the message got it. Yeah. And it's not, this is what I said on my Twitter. I said, it's not art is not for everyone. If it was, right. everybody would get it. So right. he said on Solange's album, if you don't get my music, it's not for you. It's, it's not, not for not you, boo. That's it. <laughs> it's not for you. So Marco, thank you so much for talking to me. We've talked too much for too long. I miss I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It was great. So this is a yeah. designs ring. I'm gonna get uh uh Goki, who's a designer, to make one that says Marco Please. And the next time you come, I'm gonna make sure that you have it whenever that next time will be. Thank you for honoring me and just oh. uh, coming and talking to me and being awesome. I can't wait to see you and give you a good hug and have some champagne and laugh. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's Saturday totally about to have some champagne and thank you for having me on you know um it means a lot the fact that you would reach out and ask me to be a guest on your show obviously we're friends so you know i will do absolutely anything for you uh, i'm so proud of you and this platform that you have and i'm just excited to take this journey with you and see where it's going to ultimately land but yeah thank you so much and i hope we get to see each other really soon yeah me too marco me too <laughs> yeah so to make you laugh because you know it's 8 p.m in south africa and it's like yeah PM there, and yeah I, i'm about to have one of you yo my favorite oh. <laughs> Savannah. Savannah. Oh, I'm so mad about that. You know, I love my Savannah. Now, why did you, we could have just ended this thing. <sighs> I know I had to do that. <laughs> you just had to do, I love a Savannah, y'all. Y'all, you don't understand. <laughs> Especially it's hot here. It's like the last little bit of summer. Savannah mm. would be perfect. But enjoy for me. Enjoy for me. I will. And the next time we'll have together. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes, take a photo because we both love Savannah. Thank you so much. Follow me. Thank you. All right. Love you too. Bye. Bye.